I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome in another Made for March podcast, an early week edition, fresh off of the weekend. It is Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki here with you. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at Made the Number Four March. You can also find us on Twitter. Tyler is at Tyler Aki underscore. I am at Tim underscore Leonard Four. Thanks for listening to everyone out there who has been following along with us as we've gotten into the college basketball season here. We're going to have some fun today and do some basically stock up, stock down on teams and, and where we're at right now. We'll, we'll pick five teams, each of us that have stood out, and five teams that have kind of disappointed us so far in the early goings of this season. But, Ty, got to touch on on the really scary situation off the top with Keontae Johnson. And, you know, as of recording this right now, we don't exactly know what is going on with Keontae Johnson, but I think we've all seen the video at this point where he collapsed on the court in their game Saturday against Florida State. And just a, a really scary scene to watch. And then not only is it just tough to watch, but just really a tough situation to sort of be following right now. We we know that he's, last I heard, is in critical and stable condition, I think is what the reports were indicating. But bottom line is thoughts and prayers to Keontae Johnson and his family and the whole Florida family. It was just a, a tough scene to watch. And honestly, kind of a storyline that I thought would be talked about a little bit more right now because as we're discussing this right now it's it's still ongoing and we don't really know what's going on with him it's one of the crazier things that we've seen in sports this year in a year that's already been unbelievably crazy and to see that i mean you got to think of it as if he was your son or he was your brother or he was your cousin or something like that and that's the scene that that played out it was just it's tough to watch and it's it's one of the scary things that we're dealing with now and again it was noted that he did test positive for COVID-19 and I'm not going to jump and say oh that's the reason why that happened because we we just don't know there's so much we don't know about this situation and it's it's a really scary thing to see a guy just what was he two minutes ago he was dunking a basketball and then next thing you know he's being stretchered off and he's got such a bright future, and you just hope that he, he, he will be okay, obviously, because I mean, this is a guy that I, I love watching play. He's one of the best players in the country, SEC preseason player of the year, probably was going to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft, maybe even a lottery guy, depending on how this season went. A lot of people thought he might leave after last year, and he comes back, and I don't, it's just such a bummer that it would happen to him. It happened to anyone, but the whole situation was just very, very eerie, very scary to watch, as you said. And I, I know you you mentioned to me a little bit earlier before we hit record here today that Leonard Hamilton has kind of given them the option to replay the game. I guess. If well, they the, no, to. he he gave them the option during the like right after it happened. And said like, "Hey, we can step off now and we can okay. do this again yeah. a, a different day because." Can you imagine the the heavy hearts that you're dealing with in, in that moment? I mean, it's just scary. You see one of your, your teammates, one of your brothers just go down like that. And I don't know how you could be in, in both sides, really, how either team can be in any mindset to, to play a basketball game after that. So it's a very, very scary thing. And, and hopefully we, we don't see more instances like it this year. And it's just been, I will say, it's been it's been cool to see the support that has poured out not just from the Florida program and Florida athletics as a whole, but from the entire college basketball community. I know a lot of different, like, like pretty much every broadcast mentioned our, our thoughts and prayers are with Keontae Johnson and his family right now. And every program too, even, even ones that have almost zero link to, to Florida or not even in the same conference, not even in power conferences, we're all tweeting out their thoughts and prayers. So that was really cool to see the the college basketball community really just come together because it is a super scary situation. Yeah, so thoughts and prayers to his family right now and, and no easy transition, obviously, as we get into kind of this, the state of college basketball and what our takeaways were from this weekend. But definitely an important thing, and, and we're praying for Keontae Johnson. So let's let's talk about what do you want to do, the the good teams first or the disappointing teams first? 
Uh, let, let's start with the disappointing teams first. I feel okay. like that'll that that'll rile people up to to get things going here. And basically, what we're doing here is we're not picking the five best teams in the country and the five worst teams in the country. We're picking five teams that have done things that we really like through the first. I mean, teams have played anywhere from zero to what six right. to seven, eight games right now. So what we really like so far and the teams that we really like, and then five teams that we feel flatly have, have underperformed. Exactly. It's kind of like five teams we're buying stock in, five teams we might be selling stock in, or just teams that we want to talk about after watching Correct. these yeah. games this weekend. So I'll start out with the the low-hanging fruit of the group here. It's Kentucky, and obviously I think they'd be a top five. They're probably the most disappointing team in college basketball this right year. Right now I think it. they're one, and then there's yeah. a, a very, very sizable gap between them and whoever number two is in your book. Yeah, That's and, how and again, I view it so far. We're not ranking these teams, like you said, but still, I think no matter how you slice it, they have been a massive, massive disappointment. It was very odd tracking the Notre Dame game on Saturday because in that second half, they come rallying back at Rupp Arena, and they actually go on to win the second half like 37-16 to 16 or something, but they still lose the game by one point. And the bottom line is, they just haven't beat anyone this year. They've struggled against any type of high major competition. And just watching their offense is really tough to watch at times because they're not getting quality shots. They're not getting anything from the point guard position. And they just look like they don't really know what they're doing out there. And they're very rusty. And it's a group of freshmen that just haven't come together yet. It's one of those things where... The you'd imagine a team like them, and we always like to bring up minutes continuity. They're one of the worst in the entire country of it, and we're looking at a team that not just that, but they're not executing some of the simple basketball things that we'd expect a, a team with maybe the most talent in terms of collection of talent in the country. They're not executing some of the things that you'd expect them to have down by now. The three point shooting is below twenty five percent right now. Cal has never had a Kentucky team under thirty three percent. They're shooting 24.7% right now. Shout out 24-7 sports. But that that kind of encapsulates it all. Like, you can't score the basketball, and that's something that Cal's always, he's always had supremely talented offensive players. And that's right now really pulling them down. And on top of that, they're turning the ball over at an unbelievable rate. It's the, the worst they've been under Coach Cal, too. Yeah, it seemed like they kind of went more towards Davion Mintz at point guard in this last game, which we've talked about how some KU or Kentucky fans, I should say, are, are trying to push the Terrence Clark. You just angered a bunch card. of them by calling them KU. I, I know, I know. There. And I, I'll say KU is, is coming up on my list here. I, I know that might be kind of controversial, mm, but okay. I'm, I'm not loving what I'm seeing. So we'll get to them in a second. If you're a Kansas fan, stick around. But uh, T- Terrence Clark has looked about as good as anyone can on that team. Just the way that the offense is flowing, there's just no rhythm to it. There's no sort of cohesion whatsoever. And, I mean, you think of all the games to come out of the locker room and just bring a fight, bring urgency. It's Notre Dame after you've lost three straight. You've been ridden about all week. You've fallen out of the AP poll. And they just didn't have it from the very jump. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, when are they going to have it? Because I know the whole thing of Kentucky is they always start slow and they'll probably figure it out. I'm looking at their schedule. Saturday, they've got UCLA at a neutral site. Then they go to Louisville for that game that was hyped up. Will they play it? Won't they play it? And Chris Louisville Mack might actually pull this one off. The, the rivalry might be renewed <laughs> after this game. Yeah, I mean, they're projected to lose both of those games. I would say it'd be a surprise if they won one of those, probably. And then you get into SEC play, and the SEC, plus they've got a game against Texas, just ran, as we talked about last time, just randomly in there on January 30th. So they don't have many winnable games or any games that's just like, yep, that's our get-right game. I mean, maybe Vanderbilt, you could say on January 5th, that's kind of the lowly point of the SEC, so they should win that game. But, I mean, their Kempon projected record is 12-14 and 14 right now. I don't see how this team makes the tournament. Like, is that crazy to say I, I i just don't think they have much going for them and i don't see the light at the end of the tunnel they're gonna go through some stretches uh of, like i'm looking through the the ken palm projections now for the schedule and it's blocks of wins and blocks of losses they're gonna probably spurt through some of these games and we're gonna be like all right kentucky's back 
they're going to rattle off three straight, and then they're going to lose three straight too, and we're going to think the sky's falling again. This is going to be a very inconsistent group all season long, and, and we've kind of been talking about that too. Just the inconsistencies riddled throughout this team. I mean, you have inconsistencies in the lineup. You don't know who's going to really bring it. You've got one guy right now in terms of guys who are receiving major minutes that has a a good offensive rating, an above average. Again, 100 is average on the Ken Palm offensive rating skill. You've got one guy over 100 right now, and it's Olivier Saar. And Olivier Saar has actually been pretty solid this year, too. That's one of the things that I feel like is getting lost. Him and Isaiah Jackson have both been pretty good for this team, but they just can't find any continuity right now. And the three-point shooting is atrocious. The shooting in general is atrocious. And if you're turning the ball over while you also can't score the ball, you're not going to win games. They're in the bottom 10 on shot quality in terms of power conference teams right now. So it's not like, oh, they're getting looks. They're just not making shots. I mean, this team, they've lost four in a row, and they probably should have lost all four of those games just based on the level of quality shots they're getting. So I don't know. We'll probably talk about them some more coming up, I'm sure. And and they have UCLA this weekend. I'm going to be intrigued because there is a part of me that thinks they could click it into gear, and they still have tons of talent there. It's just really tough when you, you can't even muster something out of the gate against Notre Dame. I guess they, they maybe found something a little bit in the second half, and that could be something to keep an eye on or, or maybe the, the positive spin on it. But I just don't see a whole lot of, of wins on their schedule coming up. The concerning thing is just that there's no sense of urgency right now. You're a 1-4 in four basketball team. How is there no sense of urgency? How are you not firing out of the gates against a lowly Notre Dame team? I, that's the part that's baffling to me right now. And, and I would have thought that Cal would have had his guys much better suited. And it, it, it's been brought to my attention again that he is inked for life with, with Kentucky. He has that lifetime deal <laughs> that he signed right. a year ago. So he's not going anywhere. No, not, not, and I don't think, I mean, it's not at that point. Not that he should, yeah. yeah. Right. I, this isn't a Cal problem. This is a fact that his his coaching met, or I won't say his coaching, more his recruiting strategy doesn't live up to what this season is, what's going to be beneficial yeah. this season. Kentucky's going to be down this season. They might not make the tournament this year. Boo hoo. But they're going to be back next year. They're going to retool. Recruits aren't going to look anything less of Kentucky because of this season, I don't think. So it's going to be a down season. Every every great emperor, empire, every great team, every great franchise has its little lull. They have a blip where they, they sink down a little bit. This is just Kentucky's blip. It feels like North Carolina from last year. It feels like they're going to be that team, and they'll probably bounce right back next year. But you're right. I mean, this year was just tough circumstances for them. From one blue blood to another here, my next team on my list, I don't know if you have them, is the Duke Blue Devils, who They are number two on my list as well. Okay, yeah. Amazingly, they're number 12 on Ken Palm. I, I don't know why they haven't dropped more. The argument for Duke being fine is they played two good teams and they've lost to two good teams. And it's still early, right? Like, all that still holds water. I don't know, though. I mean, Notre Dame, they're playing Notre Dame Wednesday night, 9 p.m. tip on ESPN. It's at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, by the way, we should give them some credit for beating Kentucky. I actually think Notre Dame has looked pretty good this year. They're not in my top five teams that have stood out or that list that we're going to get to, but... When you look at what they've done, they almost beat Michigan State on the road, almost beat Ohio State at home, and they took care of Detroit. I guess they only beat them 78-70, but in general, I didn't think Notre Dame was going to be very good this year. Detroit's been scrappy this year, too. Yeah, yeah, they've looked pretty good overall. So I, I would say Notre Dame has a good shot to beat Duke on Wednesday night, and I'll be curious to see what the line is and whether it'll intrigue me or not, but... I don't know, that's that's a gut check moment for Duke, who has obviously canceled their non-conference schedule, which was probably made a little bit too much of because they were only set to play Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb, which it's not like they canceled games that they would have lost. I mean, they probably would have won those games, you would hope, even the way they've been playing. So here's what I'm, I've noticed about Duke. Listen, they have not looked good, but guess what? They're about to look really good. You ready for this? Here, here's their their schedule to open up ACC play. You've got Notre Dame. You've got Pitt. You travel to FSU, which is probably going to be a loss. Then you've got Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech in a month that's not November, Pitt, Louisville, Georgia Tech. 
that's how you open up the ACC. Yeah, four they of your first five wins. opponents are the four worst teams in the conference per Ken Palm. So they should look pretty good record-wise. But I think the lesson here is don't be fooled because we've seen how bad they've truly looked in some of these games. And listen, they're probably going to trip up against one of those four teams that isn't very good. Maybe they go on the road and everything's not right or something like that. So the the thing for me is that the freshmen, the guys who you brought in and expected to kind of lead your team have all been underwhelming. None of their big three freshmen that are getting significant minutes have an offensive rating over 100 right now. So couple that with the fact that you've played some tough teams out of the shoot, and you've also, in terms of the the games that you have won, two and two right now, you haven't looked great in those games either. So to me, that whole thing has led to a, a pretty hefty recipe for why they've been disappointing so far this season. You'd have to think Wendell Moore will start playing a little bit better. I mean, it, well, it's tell almost you what, amazing. A Matthew Hurt team isn't going anywhere. A Matthew Hurt-led team is not going to go anywhere. And he's a good player. But, I told, like, Duke standard-wise, that is not what we're used to seeing from Duke. A guy like that having to be the, the guy that is getting the buckets down the stretch and leading your team. That's, that's not going to get them to the top of the ACC, for sure. So, I mean, they're, again, one of those teams that didn't have much minutes continuity. They had some question marks going into the season. And then those sophomore guys that were coming back they just frankly have to be a lot better. Wendell Moore, even you go down to a senior like Jordan Goldwire, not that he's ever going to be some scorer for you, but can we get get a little bit more quality minutes from you? Joey Baker, now you're a junior. You're not giving us much. You're not even playing much. He's a really. junior against his will. <laughs> exactly. That's what he is. Yeah. He, like, he had that one spot game where he came in his freshman year. Only appearance. He probably was out there for what, like four minutes? Junior against his will. Yeah, so maybe he's a redshirt sophomore, if you want to classify it as that. Regardless, He's a hostage he, junior. Yeah, right. I still will never understand why Coach K did that, and I don't know if he's ever given some clarification on that. But, yeah, I mean, Wendell Moore has been the most disappointing player from an expectation standpoint in the country right now, probably. He has just looked like nothing like what I thought he would, and I had fairly high hopes for him. I thought he was going to have a good year, but then you kind of think back to last year, he really wasn't that great outside of the Carolina game where he hit the buzzer beater. So maybe he's just been underwhelming all along, and, and it was foolish for anyone to think that he was going to really get it together. And maybe that means he's probably not going to get it to a point where we thought he is, even if he steps up his game a little bit. Because like I said, it's got to go up just a little bit the way he's been playing. It's been so bad. He showed flashes last year. And, and as a freshman, especially when you're on Duke, that's the the most you can ask for, especially when you're not the top, top guy. Like Wendell Moore, what was he recruiting-wise? He was in like the 30s to 50 range, right? Yeah. So he, he wasn't like this McDonald's All-American top 20 Jordan Brand game. And he may have played in some of those games. I don't have his entire prep history in front of me. But he was one of those guys where he maybe wasn't up to being the Duke star that we're used to. But you knew he was probably going to stick around for an extra year. And that's when McDonald's he's supposed to make his leap. Was he McDonald's All American? Yeah, twenty okay. second on ESPN one hundred. Okay, he had a couple of good other other offers, but yeah, I mean, he he just hasn't lived up to his billing. There's there's no denying that. Right, and this this is a year. I'm with you. I thought of returning guys, he would be the best, and he just has not been. I mean, he's been bad this year. You you, you can say it. He's he hasn't shot the ball well. He's not attacking. He's And when you're a wing guy, you'd expect him to be doing some of those things. Like You can't be an effective offensive player and expected to be a leader on this team when you're one of nine from three and you've only attempted five free throws this year. Like That cannot happen if you're Wendell Moore. You have to be giving more than that night in and night out. And I don't know. Are we going to see it against some of these teams that, like the Notre Dame, the Pitts, the Boston Colleges, the Wakes? Is that when he's going to finally wake up? For Duke's sake, you better hope it is because you can't rely on Matthew Hurd and, and a crop of freshmen who have been underwhelming to be this sort of team for you. They're, they're not going to take you to an Elite Eight. They might not even take you to a Sweet 16. And I think I saw what Duke in the latest polls is, what, 16th? Is that what they're ranked? Heading into the week, I think so, it was twenty-one or something because they're right next to UNC. And okay, well, the, it, it wasn't good, and that I mean, there, there's an argument that they should not even be ranked right now. There really is. 
Yeah, I would probably not rank them if I had an AP vote, which I'm not Graham Couch, so I don't have that. But I, I did see the ACC teams, there's 21 through 24 is all ACC teams. It's like Clemson, Duke, UNC, and then maybe Virginia is the last one in the AP poll. Perhaps I think it might be Louisville, actually. I think Virginia might be. Yeah, you're right. So Duke uh, is 21. I think I saw, what was it, um, Seth Davis's ballot. I was reading an article that he wrote, and I think that that's where I saw the the 16. I think he pegged him at 16. Yeah, that's too high. I, I just can't. I mean, the way they played, I know they played tough competition. I know Michigan State and Illinois are good, but it's at home, and they just got boat raced by Illinois, who goes and loses to Mizzou. Who we'll, pro- we'll probably talk about that game coming up. But next on my list, I, I teased it earlier, another blue blood, Kansas. And they've actually, like, done pretty well in terms of record wise so far this year they're not slipping in the polls or anything like that they pick up a win over Creighton that was a big win and we talked about that game where Zagorowski had the free throws at the end I just don't think this is a national title good Kansas team I just want to say that by watching them and I've watched them a lot so far this year they don't have that extra gear and they're just missing pieces like the recruiting violations and everything are shining through they start their one loss is to Gonzaga, which if you're going to lose to a team, that's as good as it gets, right? It was Gonzaga on a neutral site, but you go through their schedule again. They barely beat North Dakota State at home. They do beat Creighton, which is a quality win. I think Creighton's pretty good, but the the Kentucky game is looking worse and worse on a neutral site. And even watching that game outside of Jalen Wilson, they're just not getting much offensively, and they don't have those offensive athletes that can just overpower you like a normal KU team. I would ex- would have expected David McCormick to be a little more like th- we're talking about a guy who's being asked to come in and replace Yudoka Azubuki, but he's a guy who still saw a decent amount of minutes from a season ago. Abaji's been a little underwhelming. I mean, he's been solid for them, but you're right. Jalen Wilson has been the best player on this team in the early going, and it's going to be a rude awakening. I talked about how soft of a slate Duke has to open up the conference. Kansas has far from that. They've got at Texas Tech, home against West Virginia, home against Texas. That's ten. That's three teams in the top ten of Ken Palm. And guess what? To close the, the regular season, you've got home against Texas Tech, at Texas, and then home against Baylor. And then on top of that, you're going to have to go play a Big 12 tournament. So I think it is very valid of you to start saying that this is a team that probably isn't going to win the Big 12. Maybe not. Maybe it's a little premature to say that, but I think it's it's okay to start sprinkling the breadcrumbs right now because the rest of the Big 12 has looked rock solid. I mean, you look at West Virginia, Texas, Baylor, and I don't love Texas Tech, but the numbers do. And I, I'm telling you right now, I think you're onto something. I'm, I wouldn't say, though, that they've been underwhelming to me. That That's the difference here. I would just say that I, I'm projecting forward and I don't see them being uh, the team that ends up winning the Big 12. Can you see them winning a national title? Probably not. Probably a little too young right now. I I just don't think it's in. Again, I think Bill Self probably is due for another national title. I usually ride for Kansas in this type of conversation. I don't know. I, I just don't think they have the offensive firepower. I don't think they have an alpha guy. And they just, I don't know. It's not, maybe it's just the style of basketball they're playing isn't that pretty. But... I expected to to see them like take care of business against North Dakota State and then take care of business a little bit more against Creighton at home. And even Kentucky, like I said, just doesn't look as impressive. But who's your uh, next team on your list? So I, I matched you on Kentucky and Duke, but my next one is, I'm sorry, Tar Heel, Tim, but it is UNC. And I look at this team, and sure, your two losses right now, they're a 4-2 and two team. Your two losses are to two top five teams on Ken Palm, and both of them I think were closest. I, I think that obviously the Texas game was close, but even the Iowa game I think was a little bit closer than the final score may have indicated. But you just look at what they've done in their wins, and nothing that they've done in their wins have really impressed you. I don't know about you, but that's that's the thing I'm seeing out of them early on. I would say... So I'm not like, oh, yeah, this new NC team is a lot better than I thought, but I would put them way ahead of Duke in Kentucky right now in terms of how Oh, yeah, in terms of the, the blue blood struggles right yeah. now, Carolina's got the fewest problems among 
them, Duke, and Kentucky. I think Kansas has fewer problems, obviously, than North Carolina to round out your Blue Bloods right there. But I'm with you. It's not as bad as Kentucky, and it's not as bad as Duke, but that's why I've got them three on my my ranking here. And the fact that they're four and two is not that surprising because they do have a good win over Stanford in the Maui converted Asheville tournament and Texas, they lose on a last second shot. So the, like you would have expected them to lose on the red at Iowa. And as I said, that game went basically exactly how I thought it would go. And they showed some fight in the second half. You probably would expect them to get to the final in Maui and maybe win, maybe lose based on what the field was. So it's not like they've been totally underwhelming, it's just kind of at a point now where it's a little too early for me to even form an opinion. And I will say they probably won't ever get to a point that maybe some fans had hoped for just because I have not liked what I've seen from the guard play whatsoever. And that was the big question mark going to see here. We knew the front court was going to be good, but Caleb Love just has not looked like he's at a point where he's going to get to a level that he needs to get to if this team is going to be a national title contender. And here's the thing that's frustrating about Caleb Love is that he's not he's been a, a nothing on offense, it feels like, for them. He's 4 of 25 shooting the 3 this year. That's 16%. He's turning the ball over, and he's taking the most shots on the team by a hefty margin. He's at 73 right now. The next Guess how many the next person, and I'll give you a hint, it's Garrison Brooks, who's number 2 on shots taken. How many shots do you think Garrison Brooks taken this year? Uh, 55. Something like that. 57. You're, so you're pretty much on the nose there. The fact that there's that big of a disparity, and I get you want your guards to probably be taking more shots than than your bigs, but when you're not making them, you don't. So that that's the problem right now. I don't think Roy's also figured out his rotations. He he, he needs to configure the matchups right now because we saw, we've seen at times, oh, sometimes Daron Sharp looks like the best big. Sometimes it's Garrison Brooks. Sometimes it's Baycott. Sometimes it's Walker Kessler. He's just got an abundance of riches at the big man position. And unfortunately right now, that's not the way basketball is trending. So that's why this UNC team, I feel like is in a funk because he's having to to play all these guessing games and it feels like it's big man roulette at times. And sometimes he's not picking the right combinations out there. Yeah, it's basically all the characteristics of a Roy Williams team, but on steroids. Like great athletes, they can run up and down. They play volleyball in the rim and have a strong front court. It's an even stronger front court than normal. They have really good athletes, maybe even more so than normal. But the downfalls of the Roy Williams era and the Roy Williams teams, and really just UNC teams in general, has been not enough shooting, not enough perimeter defense, and just make some dumb, foolish plays because you're relying on freshman guards a lot. So it's like a typical UNC team to its core. They just have no shooting compared to normal, like even less shooting than normal and probably an even better front court than normal. So the question is, I think it becomes matchups for them once they get into the tournament and stuff like that, if they do make it, which I don't know if it's it's a total lock. I mean, I, I don't think it's ever going to get as bad as it did last year, but they've shown at least enough flashes and they have that win over Stanford that makes me feel more confident. And if they get to the point where they're in the tournament conversation or maybe in a Sweet 16 game or something, if they're going up against a team that just can't really defend their bigs, then they'll probably be fine. But if they're going up against a team like Iowa that has a big and then also can shoot it from the outside, then they'll just expose them. Like, Iowa was a terrible matchup for them. Right, and it's one thing, too, when you're getting out-defensed by Iowa. That, that, that was the problem in that game. If UNC plays at least half-hearted defense in that game, they probably end up winning it. And Iowa's been, I think, uber impressive this year. I, I am going to slot them in my top five when we talk about them in a little bit. But the, to me, it's funny you bring up, this is a, a Roy team on steroids. Well, well, guess what? It feels like the, the universe is administering a piss test at work right now. And, and that's what's <laughs> happening to this UNC. Right. Like, he, he hasn't figured out these rotations yet. He's got way too many bigs and he doesn't know what to do with them. And that's the problem right now. He's probably never going to cut it down, too. He, he loves won't. playing 11 he won't. guys. He's got too many five stars, too many egos to manage. And again, that's that's the that's what happens. When, when you are the head coach, you are the CEO of figuring out what's wrong with your team and how to fix it. And part of that is managing ego. And it's very tough to do that when you've got... I, I don't remember what Garrison Brooks' uh, rating was, but he's Not the preseason good, ACC but... player of the year. So yeah. when you've got that plus three five stars on your team... And they're basically fighting for one and a half spots, it feels like, out there. 
that that's that's tough that's a tough job to do yeah he'll just keep cycling in bodies probably but uh next on my list another acc team and not a blue blood but a team that is trying to get into the blue blood ranks virginia has been pretty disappointing to me they haven't really beat anyone because they haven't really had the opportunity to and i I, honestly I, i think my whole basis for this is I think they would have gotten beat pretty badly by Michigan State, and then we'd be on here talking about them in the same light as maybe even Duke or to that level. And I think that's what's going to happen against Villanova on Saturday now because they have Villanova at a neutral site. Like, they just skated by Kent State, who is 142 on Ken Palm. It took them to overtime. And they've lost to San Francisco. And then they have wins over Towson and St. Francis, where they looked fine. But I don't know. I just... I never really was high on this team to begin with, and they've already got one really bad loss on their schedule, and they haven't really played anyone, so I'm a little skeptical that they can do it against a good team. To me, the thing about Virginia is that I don't focus on the path, I focus on the result. And I think that's the best way to evaluate Virginia and why we might be overreacting a little bit. I don't have them in my top five, but I look at this Virginia team and okay. Yeah. You played some close games against Kent state and obviously the loss to San Francisco is bad, but I don't think the game against Michigan state would have been as bad as you think it would have been. I I honestly think Virginia actually probably would have ended up winning that game. I'm not totally sold on Michigan state quite yet. Here's the big thing for me is that you're looking at a Michigan team right now. That's outside the top 225 in three point defense. Well, what's been the calling card for, Virginia teams. It's been the fact that they defend the three ball extremely well. I say they're outside the top 225. Well, a season ago, they were 16th best in the country. Before that, third best. Before that, ninth best. Before that, 30th best. So they have this track record of figuring it out, defending the three ball. And I think too, because when you play against Virginia, especially the the teams that they've played so far, Towson, San Francisco, St. Francis, Kent State, you're playing against teams that know there's one way to beat you. We have to get lucky, and we've got to chuck threes all night long. And sometimes it's going to come back and bite you. And I feel like that's been the case with Virginia, is that something like that has just come back to bite them. And that's why right now they're 3-1, and one, and it's tough to, to be worried about a 3-1 and one team. But I think you're right. The loss to San Francisco, maybe not as bad. I mean, San Francisco's a top 75 team on Ken Palm right now. But I do think that people are getting a little overreactionary with Virginia. Yeah, I'm selling their stock. I I think I'm. They'll probably Ooh, fall. Can I buy into, some of that? Can I buy sure. some of that? I mean, go ahead. I I think they're an eight nine seed when it's all said and done. I really just don't think there's enough offense there, and I haven't liked what I've seen so far. But who else is up on your list? So next up, I've got Arizona State, and I look at this team, and we kind of pinned this from the beginning too. We weren't super high on Arizona State. We kind of had them as one of those teams that. They've got Remy Martin. They're going to be fun to watch. They were a trade tracker team for us because of Remy Martin. And sure, they had a couple of other pieces on the team as freshmen, but the best thing they've done this year, in my eyes, is not getting blown out by Villanova. To me, six-point win against Rhode Island. Then you've got the nine-point loss to Villanova. 23-point win against Houston Baptist. Eight-point win against Cal in your your Pac-12 opener. Then a 12-point loss to San Diego State and a one-point win over Grand Canyon. To me, the best thing they've done this year is not get blown out by Nova. And this was a team that began the year in the top 25. So if you want to prove that you are that caliber of a team, the best thing to happen to you this season can't be a loss. Yeah, I, I never got the Arizona State hype. I, I think, we, you, as you said, we were spot on there. They just don't play defense, and their stats look really good offensively because they go up and down the court very fast. It would have been more on brand if they beat Villanova, honestly, and got off to a ferocious start and got inside the top 25 under Bobby Hurley because we've seen that song and dance a lot. You're right. Their, their two losses are to really good teams in San Diego State and Villanova, so you can't really knock them for that. And because of that, I mean, I think they've been exactly what I expected they would be to this point in the season. They'll probably make the tournament. They'll probably maybe win a game, and, and they'll be kind of a fun team to follow. I just don't think they have much staying power at the top of the, even the Pac-12. Well, we know they're making the high. tournament. It, it may not be in Dayton, but they're still doing a first four this year, right? <laughs> yeah, So, of exactly. course, they're going to make the tournament. Yeah, they, they'll they probably slide into the first four and win that game and then lose their next game. Like, that's their destiny. And 
I don't really know why people thought they could be a top 20 team this year. I Like, Remy Martin's fun to root for. He's fun to watch. But they're just not going to play enough defense to really get to that next tier in terms of what they need to be, like, in, in the Pac-12. Like, I don't see them as a Pac-12 title-winning threat. And I, I probably wouldn't no. bet on them it, well, if I got I will odds. say this, though. The Pac-12, <laughs> as disappointing as they usually are, it feels like they're even more disappointing this year. Yeah. I think UCLA and maybe it's the, the fact that San Diego State and Gonzaga are so good, and I mean we've even seen San Francisco have a great win, albeit then they lose in heartbreaking fashion to Cal. So maybe they can't put their their foot down in, in Pac-12 supremacy. But you you look at the West Coast, and and when the top two West Coast teams aren't in the Pac-12, that's that's alarming. Yeah, that's that's kind of the state of West Coast basketball as it stands right now. The final team I have for my five, so I had Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, Virginia. Last team I think might surprise you, and this is just sort of, it's not like I've been disappointed with them as a whole, but I just want to talk about them a little bit after watching the game this weekend. It's Richmond, because they just got boat raced by West Virginia, and I think a lot of that is West Virginia is really good, and I, I have them in my five teams that impressed me, so we can talk about them a so little do bit I, more yeah. in a little bit. But... The thing about Richmond, when you go back and kind of look at their schedule, and by the way, they've really, like, not getting any benefit on Kempom. They're down to 58 on Kempom, and they were 19 going into that West Virginia game. I think they've slipped out of the top 25 last I looked in this new poll. But Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. When you play back the, okay, what are their wins mean now? Well, their two wins that impress people are against Kentucky on the road and Northern Iowa at home. And they won those games each by about 10 to 12 or 10 to 14 points, I should say, or 10 to 12 points. So basically what what my takeaway is there is Kentucky and Northern Iowa have probably been the two most disappointing teams in college basketball relative to expectations this year. And even the Wofford game, they barely beat Wofford at home. So this was kind of like a true test of what are they made of. And I watched a lot of that game against West Virginia, and they looked pretty outclassed. And this is coming from a guy that, Loved Richmond going into the year, was really tooting them. And, and I do think they, they have a place and they're going to be really good. But I think it was a little bullish for us to consider them into the top 15, top 20 conversation. I thought about putting Richmond on here, but after watching that West Virginia game, I, I honestly think I came away more impressed by West Virginia. And that's why I slotted them in the top five as opposed to being disappointed in Richmond. And I think Richmond still has got the pieces, and we've pinned them as a team that we still think can have success. And I'm not going to let the the disappointments of other teams dictate how I see them as a team. Because even a, even a down Kentucky team, Richmond still went out in there and was outclassed in talent. And for that reason alone, I, I still think that, especially on the road, I, I think that's worth something. So I'm not out on Richmond quite yet. Um, but I, I also, I think you, you are kind of right. Like maybe they were, they were getting a little too pumped up, a little too chesty about their, their victories early on. Yeah. And SLU to me is the best team in the Atlantic 10, St. Louis, because they've looked good they, and they're they, looking for a team this week. Right. They have a It'll big win already. If they, over uh, if they pick LSU. someone up. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen anything, but I mean, they could be undefeated for a little bit when you look at St. Louis's schedule. They got Minnesota coming up, and they won't go undefeated, but because the A-10 is good, and they'll have some road games against teams like Dayton and Davidson and, and even Richmond. Like, Richmond's still good overall. I just don't think we can put them in the top 20 conversation. I still think SLU is the favorite to win that conference. Yeah, I, I, they've they've been very good early on. And did we talk about them? Were they a, a team that we pinned a little bit of love on in the preseason? I can't remember. I think so. But, yeah. But uh, if we didn't, we should have. Let's put it that way. Right. All right. I think you have one more team that you're down Yeah, but I got on. one more. And I had to add a, a third Virginia or a third, uh, a third ACC team into this, and it's Virginia Tech because ever since December, they've been awful. They dropped from 40, <laughs> from 21 to 47 in Ken Palm. The, the Penn State loss, I mean, talk about embarrassing. They, they lose by 20 points. It was the largest marginal loss in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. In a game that they were favored at home and get their doors blown off by a Penn State team coming off an embarrassing loss. So Virginia Tech, to me, I don't know what it is, but once that once it starts to get a little chilly out, once the winter coats come out, 
they lose all sense of competency out there on the floor. And I think right before that, it was a, a very narrow win over VMI, a, a game that should never be close. So to me, uh, I'm going Virginia Tech as my, my fifth team to round out. And it, I think it's fitting. There's three ACC teams in my five, and there's three ACC teams in your five. And the ACC as a whole, as a conference, I think has been quite underwhelming this year. It's been weird, too, because I think you can make a case that some teams should be in our top five, which we're about to get to, or the teams that we have liked so far this year. And I do have one team in that, to spoil it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the ACC is is a tough sort of mystery to crack right now. When you're tiering it, I think it's Florida State 1. You can't really make an argument for anyone else just because Florida State has looked pretty good, and they've checked all the boxes they need to by beating Indiana, beating Florida, and then it kind of is just like a jumbled mess after that between UNC, Duke, Virginia, these teams we're talking about. And then you kind of get into like Clemson, Louisville, Syracuse, because those teams have maybe looked a little bit better than advertised. Right. So I have more than five. I just won't overlap with you. And that's part of the reason why I did more than five. But I'll let you kick it off. Who, who do you have? And mine aren't in any order either for the top five I like. But yeah, for the top either. five that you don't that you like so far. What do you have? So I had West Virginia. I think you mentioned that you're pretty high on them too. I just want to shout them out. What they did against Richmond was really impressive. And they played, honestly, one of the toughest schedules in the country so far when you really crunch the numbers. To be 6-1 and one from the schedule they played, and by the way, their one loss was to Gonzaga at a neutral site, so it's about as good of a loss as possible. And they only lost by five. Like We were impressed with how they held up against Gonzaga, who we think is clearing away Definitely, maybe maybe not clearing away better than Baylor, but clearing away better than most other teams in college basketball right now. And they've looked great. Now they're on pause, so it's been a little weird. But you still have to give them credit for how they played against Gonzaga. They have wins over VCU, South Dakota State, Western Kentucky. Those are all top 100 Kempom teams. Georgetown's another top 100 Kempom team, barely. But, I mean, they, they go out and they crush Richmond, and they're up to six on Kempom. This team could make a deep run in March. They kind of just have that sort of... They've got it, it feels yeah, like. They, and it's one of those things you can't you can't describe, really. You can't back up with numbers. You can't back it up with anything. You just kind of say, exactly. watch them, and let them go out there and play a little bit. And to me, when, too. when your worst loss is against a team like Gonzaga, where you controlled it for a half and a half, it feels like, to me, that that's pretty good. And yeah. they... That you went blow for blow with one of the best offenses, and and you're traditionally as a program a defensive team. So, and Bob Huggins said that in the preseason too. He said that this is a different team because they can make shots. It's not your traditional defensive West Virginia team, and that's exactly what we saw against Richmond. They were eight of fourteen from three, fifty-seven percent, and when they can make threes that successfully, that they're just going to be a really good team this year. So that's why I'm more impressed with what West Virginia has done as opposed to disappointed in a team like Richmond. And shout out to Bob Huggins, by the way, because he never comes up in a conversation of who are your favorite, who is the best coach or who's, you know, a, a guy that could win big 12 coach of the year, just any of those type of conversations. But he, he does the same thing every year. And then also I think he's adapted pretty well. Like they're not press Virginia anymore. They won't press you very often. And he kind of They'll understands They'll come at you in spurts it. at times, but that's it. Yeah. And he, here's, can I give you a little conspiracy why I think that's the case? I think why? it is the, the sweatsuit. Him wearing the sweatsuit. I think people <laughs> yeah. just don't take him as seriously. But guess what? This year, everyone's wearing polos or sweatsuits or quarter zips or whatever. So it's a, a level playing field, and now all of a sudden we're giving Bob Huggins credit. So yeah, I think I'm onto something here. I was just looking at their Ken Palm the other day. Let me read off. So 2016, they did lose in the first round as a three seed, but they were eighth on Ken Palm in national ranking. 2017, seventh. 2018, twelfth. 2019, they missed the tournament. That was their down year. They were 15 and 21. They fell to 95th on Ken Palm. That's right after losing Javon Carter, too. Yeah. And then they bounced. Last year, they were a top 10 team on Ken Palm. Remember, their, their Ken Palm rating was always like a little bit higher than it seemed like because. They probably weren't going to finish with a seed that high just based on them being 21 and 10. But here they are, sixth in Ken Palm. And, I mean, this is the the third time or the fourth time, I should say, in the past, what, six years that they've been inside the top 10 as it stands right now in Ken Palm. Like, that is a good stretch for 
for Huggins in, in West Virginia. They've become an elite program, kind of sneaky in the, in the past five, six years. And nobody is talking about it. Probably just the way he right. wants it, too. All right, my my team, the first one that I'll dish to you, I think we, we can't go without talking about Mizzou during this segment here because yeah. this is a team right now. You bring up the minutes continuity, and I think you even brought it up when we were talking about the, the preview for the weekend. And this is a team that right now is fifth in minutes continuity and ninth in experience. And we've seen so far that that is going to be something that plays out this year. You look at the teams that are doing well and you look at the teams that are underperforming and you see, you look at minutes continuity and you look at experience. The teams that are doing well in those categories are the ones that have had a lot of success. And Mizzou's coming off an unbelievable win against Illinois. They almost choked it away at the end, but they were in control of pretty much 95% of that game. And that's impressive. It's a, one of those rivalry games, the bragging rights game. So you, what do you do with those games, Tim? You have to throw out the records. But, I mean, <laughs> this is a Mizzou team that right now, they're fifth in Ken Palm in the SEC. And it, per uh, shot quality, they're third in the SEC behind just Bama and Arkansas right now. And quite frankly, I think they're going to elevate well above both of those numbers when it's all said and done. Like, this is a Mizzou team. Obviously, Kentucky's down. <laughs> And I think Arkansas has actually played pretty well. Um, and then you also look at Tennessee. We don't exactly know what Tennessee is right now. Wouldn't surprise me. Maybe they don't win the SEC in the SEC tournament, but wouldn't surprise me if they're in that championship game. And the fact that that's a conversation is mind-boggling because they started 59 on Ken Palm to start the year. They're only up to 38, which I say only because I think they're a much better team than that. They probably are a top 25 team right now. I know they, they cracked the polls, and that's how it should be. Ken Palm just, when you start at 59, you can only rise so much, but they have some good wins. They beat Oregon on a neutral site, and now this Illinois game, which was at home, Wichita State, they've looked pretty bad, Wichita State, but they still did beat them on the road. So all in all, Mizzou has checked every single box so far, and I'm I'm still just so mad at myself that I didn't take them in our, our weekend winners because I – I looked at it long and hard, and then I asked you if, if I get three points. And I should have just snagged it. I, I took Florida, which, in hindsight, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. It was it was a free two points that I I knew I knew they might win, and I I'm kind of lower on Illinois than most, and I, I noticed that they were doing some good things in the minutes continuity, so it kind of made sense that they won that game, and and I'm excited to keep following them because in the SEC, I think they're automatically sort of in a different conversation than I thought they would be this year. I will say this, shot quality does this thing called record luck, and right now they are sixth in the entire country in record luck. So that means they're due for a little negative regression based on the way that their games have gone. So just be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Okay, uh, another team for me is Houston. I just want to shout them out. Not a controversial take by any means. I think people are starting to realize how good they are, but I watched them the other day. Their guard play, it might be the best guard unit in the entire country when you factor in i know caleb mills has been missing some games recently but you get quentin grimes caleb mills and then marcus sasser has been playing really good basketball for them and they're at a point right now where i look at their schedule and i i mean they could be undefeated for a while they could be one of those teams that we're talking about like oh yeah there's three remaining unbeatens and ken palms tween it out and houston is still one of those teams that's unbeaten because they already have a, a signature win over Texas Tech, which was at a neutral site where they look like clearly the better team. They go out, they beat South Carolina at home this week, and now it's it's all conference games the rest of the way for them in the American Conference. So it's not a, a conference that is like a cakewalk by any means. Like It's not quite like what San Diego State went through last year, which San Diego State, no no disrespect to them, I think, I think they were really good last year and deserved to be undefeated for a long time, but... There are games that could trip them up here. I just think the American is down in general. And when you think about like how Wichita State has been playing, Cincinnati, since uh, Mac has left, like teams like that are down a little bit more, or I should say Cronin. So I don't know. I think I think Houston could stay undefeated for a while. I'm looking right now. So Ken Palm has them, is, is projecting a win for them every game the rest of the way. And I feel like this, though, the, the American's one of those conferences where you're destined to trip up at some point. Yeah. It just happens. Like, And that happens in pretty much every conference, but I feel like particularly in the American, especially 
with the familiarity thing. To me, you bring up Quentin Grimes. And remember two years ago when we were talking about Quentin Grimes and framing the conversation around him, it was like, all right, well, enjoy it while you can because he's probably only going to be here a year. And then all of a sudden, he's not there for just a year. Yeah, He, he actually Charles was pretty bad at Kansas that first year. <laughs> and he transfers. And I'm kind of glad that he's turned into this, I feel like, staple almost of college basketball. He's not a guy who was like he entered college basketball using it as a, a one and done pipeline to to go pro and now yeah. all of a sudden he's one of the best players in the sport as a junior and i don't think that's a height that we saw him uh achieving yeah no doubt um who, who else is up for you on your list there? N- next up I, listen we we've been down on this team a lot like a lot a lot but iowa we 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 can't ignore what iowa has yeah, done this year they scored 93 points in every single game nobody plays a more NBA style of basketball with zero pros on their team than the Iowa Hawkeyes because that's what they're doing right now. And I know there's some angry Hawkeye out there who's probably saying, well, Luca Garza will be an NBA player one day. Well, okay, yeah, but will he be an effective pro one day? It's like the the shelf life on a guy like Luca. he can go and dominate another league. I just don't see him dominating in the the pros like that so i look at this iowa team their offense 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 and we know offense is going to win you a lot of games this year however i will say this they have played one team thus far with a top 100 defense per ken palm and it was unc in a game where unc's defense actually looked way worse than iowa's (laughs) and that's going to be something that I think we really have to start looking at moving forward is, is the defenses that Iowa's going to face. Because I do think, while they've been impressive now, they're not going to score 90-plus every single game. I, I think they're still going to score 80-plus in a lot of games, and they're going to get to 70 in almost every single game they play. But there are going to be nights where I, maybe the shooting is not there. Yeah. I, I mean, Saturday they've got Gonzaga at a neutral site. Assuming that game is played, which we kind of have to say with every game these days, but what's the over-under for that game? Like, it's going to be 100 to 100 or something 175, like that. 180? Yeah, maybe even higher. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, what you have to pin it at right now. Uh, let me pull up the Ken Palm projection real quick. He's got 87-84. Yeah, so that's what, 171. H- hand me a, a free over card right there because <laughs> that's yeah. what it looks like. No doubt. I, I think uh, that's going to be one of the funnest games to watch all year. And we said that about Baylor, but that brand of basketball is just going to be nonstop offense between those two teams. So Right, and, and I'm looking at the defenses ahead for Iowa once they get into the Big Ten. Nine of the other 13 teams in the Big Ten are in the top 50 in defense. And oh, okay. Iowa's the team with the second worst in the conference behind Nebraska. So they're going to have to tighten up some screws defensively if they're going to be if they're going to hold on to the number three ranking, if you want to, because again, we always frame this conversation of who is the number three team in the country. And if Iowa wants to prove that they are, because guess what? They've got the offense to be the number one team in the country. They just don't have the defense to complement it right now. Yeah. Still 77 on defensive efficiency on Kemp and by far number one on offense. And that's probably going to be the book on them for the remainder of the season. All right. We can go kind of rapid fire on, on some of these last teams. Cause we've gone kind of long here, but Clemson, Got to shout them out. They're my ACC team. I mentioned they're on mine. Yep. Yeah, they beat Alabama. Good neutral win there. Sixty four fifty six was the final. They have a win over Maryland. They they have a win over Purdue, Mississippi State. They played a tough schedule and they have just passed every single test so far. Their defense looks outstanding. It's second on Ken Palm, and it's it's amazing because what Best they're in doing the ACC. better than yeah. Virginia. Like that's how good this defense has been. Yeah, and. I've never really bought into Clemson as like, oh, Brad Brownell's the answer, and they gave him that long contract extension, and it kind of raised some eyebrows around the nation, I think. But, I mean, they had that one year where they really exceeded expectations, and it feels like they're trending towards that again. So they've played six games. They've allowed over 56 points once. 56 points. They've allowed over that number once. And they've played two top 30 offenses, two more in the top 70, and then South Carolina State, who's a a nobody. Like, that is how good this team has been so far this season. And they're taking the Florida State approach right now. They're using 10 to 11 guys, and they're, they're blowing these teams out too. I mean, the closest game they've had, they had the 8.1 against Bama the other day, and then you've got your next two closest are 11-point wins against Power 5 teams, Purdue and Mississippi State. So 
they they didn't come in with a ton of expectations and have largely just cruised so far. So so good for for Clemson. I want to shout out this team, Michigan. I mean, they yeah. have been steady. In, in fact, they I feel I feel like Clemson and Michigan have been very similar so far. Exactly. This year. Yeah. They they di- had, didn't come in with a lot of expectations, but they're both six and zero right now. Nothing overwhelming. And you're looking at this Michigan team. You've played four teams in the top one thirty in Ken Palm right now. Plus the preseason MAC champ, and I feel like they're getting judged a little too harshly for a game that they won by ten in overtime against Oakland, because they just flipped a gear right there. They're they're an impeccable offense, seventh in offensive efficiency, and Hunter Dickinson is a problem for this team because he has been unbelievable as their big man. He's been their top guy in terms of usage, and their three highest volume three point shooters right now. Let me give you a little stat right here. They're all shooting over forty percent. Wow. So. The, they've got the offense, and, and I think the defense is going to pick up because that's just the Michigan way. They, they've done really well with good defensive teams in the past, and I don't expect that to change. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, Clemson, and Xavier, to me, who's another team I have, are all kind of in the same vein where they have played a pretty tough schedule. They haven't necessarily beat a team that's been like a top 25, like, oh, whoa, that'll get your attention. Like, holy cow, what a win. But they just checked every single box, and it's worth noting. Like, I'm still going to keep my eye on them, and I'm not ready to say they're, you know, really making a leap here. But I think, especially Clemson, Clemson came in with pretty weak expectations. Michigan, I think, was, by all, by most accounts, supposed to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's just so jumbled that it's kind of tough, and it depends on where you look for that, I guess. But, I mean, their best wins over Penn State. They won by four points the other night to kind of start out conference play at home. And outside of that, they, they haven't beat anyone inside the top 100, but it's not like they played a bad schedule. And the same goes right. for it's, Xavier. It's fringe so. top 100 teams right now. And when it's a collection of four or five of those teams that you've played, I think that's worth noting. Yeah. My final team, because Xavier was on my list as well, I want to shout them out and, and what Scruggs is doing. They, they've really looked good so far. But San Diego State as well, kind of similar category. I just think we have to acknowledge this program as – literally like one of the best mid-major programs in the country at this point. They don't play in the same level of conference, but when they've gone out of conference the past two years, they've just done nothing but get the job done. And last year is looking less and less like a fluke based on how they've started this year. Even without Malachi Flynn, there were some questions, but they beat UCLA, who I, I could even put UCLA in my my top five. I think they're they're still right on track to be one of the better teams in the Pac-12, kind of like I was saying before the year, because I liked what I saw from them against Marquette. But they also beat Arizona State. Pepperdine, they win by five, but Pepperdine continues to look a little bit better than people were expecting. And I think that's looking like an even better win. And San Diego State, again, it's like, when are they going to lose? Because on Ken Palm, they're projected to win every single game the rest of the way. Absolutely. I, I, I'm totally with you on that. They, they've been impressive um last two that i've got here i've got florida state and i feel like they were slept on a little bit because they didn't play for a while i think tennessee's another one of those teams too yeah and we like to talk about minutes continuity great stat right but i feel like for florida state it doesn't matter because the minutes continuity (laughs) thing is you play so many guys and these guys are getting valuable experience when they're younger so it's almost like a grooming period where by the time they're juniors and seniors, like the minutes continuity, they're 91st in the country right now, 54% in minutes continuity. But you look at the top 11 players that are getting minutes on that team. You've got two underclassmen and it's Balsa and it's Scotty Barnes. So when you've got those two guys, two of your best players, and those are the the ones that are underclassmen. You've got a super veteran group and a super talented group. So I feel like it's worth noting that. And you've beaten two solid teams in Indiana and Florida. And then the last one here, this is a bonus one for the kids, I feel like. Let's just get out ahead of it, Tim. We have to be the first ones on this this year. Ohio State. Because when yeah. they're ranked number one in the, the net, net next week, like <laughs> we have to be out there. We have to be out ahead of this right now. So I think Dwayne Washington's run a really solid point for them. They're seventh best right now in turnover rate in the country. And right now, I, I kind of mentioned this too with Virginia, the three-point defense has been a bit of an anomaly. They're not usually elite, but they're usually solid. And right now they're, at four, they're allowing 40% 
on teams or for teams to connect on. So you face Notre Dame, who's a, a team that can shoot the lights out on you. I mean, they're, I think, top 20 in the country right now in three-point shooting percentage. But I would just expect Ohio State and Virginia, the three-point percentages are going to get a lot better over the course of the season. And let's just get on this now. We have to be the first ones on this because when they're number one in the net next week, we can we, you can say you heard it here first. Right. It'll be three straight years. They're at Mackey to play at Purdue on Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to that game. It's a 7 p.m. tip. So I think we'll, we'll probably be back later in the week, and I'm sure we'll maybe even be recapping Kansas-Texas Tech. That's a big game Thursday night that I'm looking forward to. And then we'll do our weekend picks like we normally do, and, and hopefully Gonzaga-Iowa will be on that schedule. That's set for noon on Saturday. I am just so pumped up for that game. So much it's good gonna stuff be, this weekend too. It was yeah. CBS Classics this week. There's so much good college basketball. On yeah, this you got. So we're gonna have a Nova, full slate of picks for you guys on, right. on the weekend. Yeah, Nova Virginia's at MSG. That's gonna be exciting. So, all right, we will uh, wrap it here, but we'll be back later on in the week. We'll have your picks for you guys. Or we'll have our picks for you guys and. Stay, stay in touch with us on Twitter this week. We'll be at made number four March. You can follow along with us as we kind of get into conference play here and, and keep you up to date with our takes on some of these games that are unfolding. But until then, uh, we'll talk to you guys on probably Thursday or Friday. The game was over.